0: Welcome to Giving Grief a Voice, hosted by Maureen Desmond. Maureen is founder of Navigating Through Loss, a grief consulting business that guides and supports those going through loss and significant change. In this podcast, Maureen and each of her guests explore their own real-life loss journey and the strategies that help them find meaning in their struggle to face their fears and emotions.
1: Welcome, listeners. Earlier this year, I was the guest on another podcast, Put Cancer Behind You, hosted by Maria Barnes. Maria has also been a guest on this podcast, but on Maria's podcast, I was the one being interviewed and told her about my own personal experience with cancer. This month, I wanted to share that episode with you. I haven't spoken that much about myself since I started this podcast, so this was a good opportunity to let listeners hear part of my own journey. So here it is, Put Cancer Behind You with Maria Barnes.
2: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast, a series dedicated to helping cancer patients and survivors lead healthy, happy, cancer-free lives. I'm your host, Maria Barnes. My guest today is Maureen Desmond, a grief recovery method specialist and founder of Navigating Through Loss. Maureen is dedicated to guiding and supporting others through the sense of loss and fear that results from death and disease. Having experienced loss at a young age in her immediate family and being a cancer survivor herself, she understands how grief shows up in different ways at different times. And she uses that insight to assist others in reclaiming their inner confidence, joy, and love of life. Maureen, thank you so much for being here today and for being willing to share your journey with us.
1: Oh my gosh, Maria, I'm thrilled to be here as well. Thank you so much for having me as your guest.
2: It is absolutely my pleasure. So Maureen, I know that you're a cancer survivor and you certainly understand loss and grief because of that. But you're also a professional grief coach. So I know that you know it is possible to have a journey back to vitality and wellness. But before we talk about how you help others heal, can you take me back to your experience with grief and tell me how you got beyond it? Okay. Ooh, right out of the gate. <laughs> so, um,.
1: My cancer, or my cancer, my my journey with grief really started when um, my sister died in a car accident. She was 18, and I was 20, and my whole entire family, obviously, was affected terribly. I mean, such a trauma to lose this vibrant, fun, wonderful sister, and then get that phone call. So when grief starts that way, with something that traumatic, it, it just really turned our lives upside down. And, you know, we were all so young. I have four others. I, I have had four siblings altogether, including her. And, so you know, it's it's the impact that I went through, but it was also the impact to my entire family and my parents. So and and all of her friends and all of the people in our lives. So that was really the first, um, the first experience with grief. Um, and then my father, who I think just never fully recuperated as a parent from her death. And then I get a phone call at work that my father has dropped out of a heart attack eight years later to the day that my sister died. And that was just another shock. He was 53. I was in my late 20s. We were still, we were still grieving sister, you know, not with the same pain, but the loss was so significant. So now we had suffering on top of suffering.
2: That's just awful.
1: It really was. And, you know, what I've learned through the experience and how we got beyond it really became the, the journey itself, the people along the way, and realizing just how important it is to have loving people that are there to help you, you know, pick up all the pieces. And so when my mom passed, which was much more recently in 2019, the grief still felt as heavy as my sister's and my dad's grief, obviously. But somehow I had the tools and I had been through the journey and I understood where to find the help i you know and a lot of it was through love of others you know relying yeah on my siblings once again um my daughter my friends and so those tools there really are tools that come out of a grief journey and um, i had that ability to do it it still hurt i lost my mother but it somehow was a little it landed a little more softly
2: right i i get that and um you know years had gone by and so you'd had a lot of life learnings uh in in those years so that hopefully prepared you not just for her death but also for other major challenges in your life such as cancer right so let's talk about your cancer so you've got all this grief going on from the loss of your family members which is extraordinarily it's just an extraordinary story but when you add the cancer to it it seems almost impossible to deal with so when you got diagnosed with cancer let's start with that what was going on in your life and how did how did cancer come to your life how did, how did you experience that
1: yes so when i heard the diagnosis First of all, it was, again, just another shock. And this time it was about me. It was about my life. And what went through my mind really was when I got the diagnosis, how long do I have to live? It's sort of what pops up first. And then I was a mom, a single mom and my daughter was only 10, and we were, are, (laughs) to this day, very close, and she was a mommy's girl, and I thought, how am I ever going to tell her this? How are we going to do this? And so immediately, I went to a place where I knew well enough that I couldn't do this alone, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't handle this heavy diagnosis, which was very serious. It was a very aggressive non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I, at first, the first, another thing that came to my head was, well, I'm not, I'm going to treat it by doing healthy things or, you know, I don't, I'm thinking chemotherapy. No, 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 I can't do that. And, um, and so I asked What if I went an alternative route first and I was at NIH and they said, um, that's not going to work. You have about three months to live if you don't start chemotherapy immediately. So once I heard that, that was, that was the uh, aha moment. And I, so I'm, I'm driving home from NIH, getting that diagnosis. Um, I went right to my family's. I had shared what was happening and I went over and and, um, on the way there, I called a dear friend of mine from high school who has has always been there for me through my losses. And I told him my diagnosis and he said, "He's he's a religious guy and I wasn't so much. But what he told me changed my life. And he said, Maureen, wherever you're going, you're in the car. I don't want you to, you know, do this now. But when you get home or when you get to your family's house, he said, I want you to just go and get on your knees and just say, I can't, I can't bear this alone. I'm giving this to you, God. And I was like, okay, you know, and I did it. I did it. And. It was a relief just to be able to kind of say it out loud. And that was sort of the sort of the beginning of the journey, I'll say. That was the door opening saying this is real and we've got to get on with this.
2: So the journey is long as we know and it takes great stamina to endure the journey. I know in some of our conversations, you've told me that uh, you're quite an athlete or have been over the years, and I know that you've run marathons. How did that mindset help you, or did it?
1: Oh, great question, Maria. It it did. It absolutely did. One of the things when I was diagnosed, and I think this is important for the listeners too, is my doctors told me that I was my organs were as healthy as the day I was born. Because, you know, you go through all these tests. And here I have this, this cancer of the immune system and blood. And they're telling me that I'm my organs are as healthy as the day I was born. It just didn't make sense to me. But what I learned was that if you go into any diagnosis on a more healthy side of it, that can help you it doesn't guarantee anything but it can help and so just them telling me that put some positivity into my mind right and then i had run the marine corps marathon and this is my third one i had finished it i had gotten my best time this was late october i was diagnosed five months later so i had cancer when i ran that marathon and that was sort of part of the thing that I was, after that marathon, I started feeling things in my body that, I, that weren't normal, but they were just slight, so I ignored it for a while. And then it progressively got worse, and I couldn't ignore it anymore. But going back to your question, the mindset piece was, you know, I've trained for marathons, and that is a grueling Thing It takes, you know, for me, I was, I was starting six months out from the race and doing all the, adding the miles and my cancer treatment was almost similar. It was a six month journey of cancer treatments. And so it was actually my sister that told me, you should look at this. We're going to get a calendar and look at it as if you're training for the marathon, And it was so such a brilliant idea. And that's exactly what I did. And after each treatment and the grueling part of recovery, each time was sort of like me just adding more miles. And I knew that I was training for something. I was training now for life and I wanted to win that race. And so that kind of became my mindset.
2: That is just wonderful. I I wish more people would – I'm so happy that people will hear this, and I wish more people thought that way because it is absolutely your mindset that takes you from start to finish. And without a a positive mindset, you have a much rougher road, obviously. So, so, you know, what was your treatment exactly? I mean, how sick were you, and and how did you begin to – to get better when did you really say hey i'm i'm getting a handle on this what was the treatment and how did you navigate
1: so the treatment was a grueling one and they said you know we have the best of the best here my doctors and uh, oh i i just i will rave about nih forever I had such a great team. They were very upfront with me and they told me everything. And I asked a lot of questions. And those that went with me to my appointments asked a lot of questions. That's probably more the reality. I was sitting there kind of in a daze. And then my sister or my boyfriend at the time or my friends that came, they were all writing all these questions down. So you get through it kind of that way. You, you try to understand it. And so my treatment was to, the day I was diagnosed, the next morning I had to have surgery to have my tumor removed. And then my treatment started six days later. So this was fast. And basically, the you know, they're not holding anything back. They said a week after your t- first treatment, you will lose all of your hair, your eyebrows, your eyelashes, everything. I mean, I'll never forget the emphatic way that my nurse told me that. I was like, oh my God. And then, so everything changed fast. And I had to go share this with people. I had to go talk to my team at work and my boss. And that's a whole nother story. But it was beautiful how everyone just came to my rescue. And we had really person to person, human to human conversations about it. And I had the best supportive team. And that's something that really helped me get through it, of course. These people that are, were already in my life, and then on the journey of cancer and getting treatments and going back and forth to the hospital, I met so many people along the way. And, you know, at first, I didn't want to have anything to do with these sick people. I, I was sort of separate to, in my mind. I just couldn't go there. And then finally, I accepted that I had cancer and I was sick and I was that person. And I developed some amazing, wonderful, loving relationships with people along the way that I wouldn't have been able to get through it without them either. And those are the those are the gifts of these journeys is finding those people that there's one in particular, his name's Neil and his wife, Ruth, who he would try to joke with me and try to get me to talk in the beginning and I was ignoring them and like kind of not rudely but like I'd keep my curtain closed so I didn't have to see anybody in those that you know that first treatment and after and then I realized hey this is your posse this is your tribe now and so rather than hating going into NIH I actually felt like that was my new security my new place And I felt more comfortable on the inside of that building than I did on the outside because this was this very different journey and these people understood me. And so it was really interesting how that all kind of came together.
2: So at what point in your treatment did you really feel confident that you were going to kick this thing, that you were going to win the race?
1: So through my treatments, um, I was on a 21-day cycle. And what that looked like was for five days, I had an infusion of chemo 24 hours for five days straight. So I literally had a fanny pack or a backpack of my chemo in it. And so the the beauty of that is I didn't have to stay in a hospital for five days. I could go and, and be at home and get on with my life. And while I was having the infusion, I felt totally normal. But it was the day after I treatment stopped, I had about 24 hours and then I completely crashed and literally for seven to 10 days felt just horrible inside and out bone pain, headaches, weak Everything you can imagine. And, you know, the first treatment really wiped me out. And then each treatment after were not as bad. But then at the end, it sort of was bad again because you're just your body is just sort of like, okay I'm done. But through that, I how do I say it? I found those times after the treatment and after I had those weak moments about 10 days that I felt normal again. And so I would put those on my calendar. These are the days I feel great. And so I would do things with my family. I would do something special with my daughter. I would look forward to that time and really take it in. And those days I could go for walks and still get some workouts in. And one of the really important pieces to that is that here I have my daughter who as a 10 year old was so brave through this and said to me in the beginning, I want to know everything. I don't want you to hide anything from me because I want to know that everything you tell me is the truth. I don't want to have to worry. And I loved how brave and how mature she was around that. It just, it breaks my heart to this day. But I I was open and honest, and I took her with me on my appointments when I could, and everyone knew her. She knew the doctors and nurses. They knew her. It was a journey together, and the part that I would share with her the most was, you know, you'll see me in bed sleeping a lot. And I don't want that to scare you. I don't want you to think I'm dying. I'm not. It's the chemotherapy is is doing its job, and it's making me weak. But my body's going to come back. My body's going to keep coming back. So those 10 days, I'd emphasize that. I'd say, see what my body has done? I'm, the chemo's working. I'm getting back to um, strength. And when we would go into NIH for some of my blood tests and things during that time, She would go with me, and we usually would have to take the elevator a lot because I didn't have any strength, and there were times I had to be pushed in a wheelchair I was so weak, but the times when I was strong again, we would take the steps, and so the clinic was on the 13th floor, so we would have to go through, I don't know, let's just say it was 250 steps up. And every time I'd say, we're doing the steps, and she'd say, that must mean you're getting better. I'm like, yes. And so we'd walk up the steps together, and we'd get to the top, and we'd always do like a little happy dance. And I think that that was really important for her because she saw the the tough times, and then she saw me continue to get better. And it was that will always stick out in my memory as like a really beautiful time for us and a really good message for her.
2: Absolutely. I really do believe that if you're a parent, those children are angels sent to really spur you on because nothing keeps you going like the desire to be there for your child, correct?
1: She yeah. was my rock and and too young to have to be my rock.
2: It It was a tall order, but she... She came through it beautifully, as did you, and together, that strength. So talk to me about the strength, the bonds that really help you thrive uh, through the treatments and then beyond, because staying well is also important. It's also part of putting cancer behind you forever, right? So talk to me a little bit about the bond that has developed between you and your daughter and you and your family as, as a part of your healing.
1: Yes. Oh my family my siblings my daughter um are everything to me Whew. um yeah uh, sorry woo. they it's tough yes yeah. it, is, it is tough it's um it's so heartfelt It's so touching. It's so beautiful. It's a gift to have the sister and two brothers that I have and daughter that I have. Because they are so much of the reason why I've been able to get on and and do the things that I've been able to do. And we have done everything together. And we are such a tight-knit family. And we're all different. But we all have this really really strong connection to each other. And for my daughter, just when she said those words to me in the beginning, I mean she was really upset obviously and crying and scared and but she was so honest with her feelings with me that I grew from her almost. Like she just had this maturity that was something that was so amazing to me. And I don't know if I ever recognized it until that time. And she even told me that she was angry at me for getting cancer. And this wasn't right away. This was a few months down the road. But she said, I feel so guilty because I was mad and angry at you for getting cancer. And she said, and I know it wasn't your fault, but it just made me angry inside. And I said, that those are typical feelings, you know, I mean, that's part of grieving. Sometimes you go through a little bit of of anger, and why me and why my mom and why this and, and so I loved her honesty. And we've always had that kind of relationship ever since. And she's definitely had her own challenges with anxiety Because I, and I do feel partly responsible because she was, she has had a lot of things to handle. And that was a really heavy one. And as much as we talked about it, and as much as she was brave through it, I wish that she didn't have to go through that because of, she still has fear. She has fear to this day. And we all do as cancer survivors. What if what if it comes back? What and and you never fully let go of that, but you learn to you learn to put it into a compartment, I guess is how I'd explain it, and kind of let it stay there. And if it does come out, you kind of acknowledge it, but you know, you kind of put it back, put it back there and i am fortunate that with my type of cancer after going through the chemotherapy that i did and going into remission it is one that there's a high likelihood that it won't come back and so for those first couple of years out the likelihood is greatest and then by 5 years this is they sort of said you're sort of out into the the world with everyone else You know, your chances of getting any cancer are the same as if I was going to relapse for my cancer. And I know all cancers are different and not that way, but mine was. So it was sort of that five-year marker where I really put cancer behind me. And I had done fundraising and I had been doing some Relay for Lives and, you know, raising money for cancer awareness. And they were really important to me and I needed that. But I sort of let go of a lot of that after that five-year marker and got on with my life. And it's never gone. It's always there, that memory. And my daughter celebrates my anniversary of my getting better every single year. And she posts beautiful things on Facebook about it. So for her, that is a huge marker. For me, I probably wouldn't even think about it anymore today. Or the date would come and go, and i go, oh, that's right, last week was the anniversary. But she's, it's a big deal for her. And of course, I'm her mom, you know? And so I love that. And and it also keeps me grounded because we can get on with our lives and we can kind of try to forget. And I think it's important for any of these experiences, whether it's grief and loss of a loved one or going through cancer, you never really want to forget completely because it no. it's what makes us human and it's real
2: it is and it's what really exp- you know I look back on my journey and I'm sure we all do and and you say you know what for all the hard times I'm a better person for it I just am and I'm grateful for that there is always I've learned to look for the silver linings and I find them And, you know, I think that uh, you have as well. And so you've taken that. Not only have you taken the loss of your sister and your your parents, I mean, all that loss, and your own dealing with cancer, but now you're helping others to really find joy and find healing and move forward. So let's talk about what you do in your professional life now as a grief coach. You know, how do you help people? Where do you begin? What do you want them to know?
1: Thanks, Maria. And thanks for sharing even parts of your journey. You're so right about that. You're so right. So the reason that I started this journey and this company Navigating Through Loss is because of all of the things that I've learned along the way. And even though every person's journey through grief, loss, cancer is different and unique there's still these resounding things that are so important. And one of the biggest ones that I feel is the support from others and the ability to find those people that are not afraid to come up to you and say, I can't, I don't have any words for you. I don't know how it feels to lose a sister or a mother or a father or go through cancer, but I love you and I just want you to know I'm here for you. It's scary for the person to do it and it's hard for the person that's been through something to acknowledge it too. So it's this thing that we have in society that we're not quite at that comfort level yet and I want to help create that comfort level for people and it's it doesn't have to be difficult and for anyone it's important to understand that the heaviness of grief is very real but there's always as you were saying silver linings there's always this this mix of joy and pain together the two are on the same spectrum and I don't think a lot of people realize that until you go through real loss and real pain and real, this, these journeys. And it's such a mix of pain and joy and we can't have one without the other. And once we go through the pain, we almost feel joy. So even so much greater. I think of like raising the volume, you know, um, when I feel joy, I feel it. I feel it so deeply. And that is the gift that you get. And so many people that are listening to this podcast would probably say, what are you talking about? No, there's no comparison. And I get it. I've been in the fetal position on the floor, sobbing over my loss, losses and thinking, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to feel happy in my heart. I'm never going to laugh again. People laughing almost made me angry sometimes. And it is just that time. It's, it is a painful time, but there's so much meaning and purpose and love and joy that will come as well.
2: All right. So Maureen, have you uh, when you work with clients, do you work with their mindset primarily or are you working uh, with their emotions? How do you approach the work that you do with the people that you serve?
1: So each person's grief is unique, and they come to me at their point of, you know, I just don't know what to do. This is affecting my life. And so I spend a lot of time listening to them. So when they come to me, they may have just lost a spouse or a parent in the last three to six months. Or it could be the fact that they lost someone two years ago, but they're really starting to get that grief kind of churning up again because they feel like maybe they didn't, they sort of ignored it at the time. So they're all in different places. So I always start with tell me your story, tell me what's going on, and then really asking questions back and forth, listening being there to support them through the listening skills. There are a lot of times when they're so scared to release their emotion that when they finally get comfortable with me, they end up being emotional on the calls. And I've had people that have gotten on a call and and cried for more than half of it and they're always, we always apologize when we cry. I did that earlier today. And I always say, don't apologize. This is, this is exactly what you need. You are right where you need to be. And even if I'm just a space for them to let their emotions out and freely and confidently, confidentially, it's good. You know, I always say it's good to get that out. So I've been on both sides of that in my life, holding it in, being the stoic person or just completely falling apart and having to call in and say, I can't get out of bed again. Or, you know, it's just you just never know. And it's it comes at different times. It shows up in different ways. So as I work with people, I just listen to where they are and we start there and It's beautiful to see the time that we spend together, these constant little ways that they're moving forward through it. And that doesn't mean that there's going to be some spirals and you might spiral back a little or really go through a different phase where you've got a lot of anger or fear of the unknown or of it happening again all of those things come into play and we just take it where they are what's going on talk through it and i love the journey with them and especially when they're starting to feel like oh, i've released a lot of the pain i've re- released a lot of what i needed to say and that alone is really important.
2: I agree, and I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because so many people who go through a disease like cancer don't acknowledge all of the grief that goes along with that, the loss of their old life basically. It's gone and it's going to be gone forever as they call it the new normal, but how do you, you know, it's it's so difficult for somebody to wrap their head around that? And There's a lot of grief that goes with that, so I am so happy we're having this conversation because, yes, it's tough to lose a loved one, but it's also maybe equally as tough to lose a type of lifestyle that you have grown accustomed to, to being well, to being able to do everything. I mean, your life changes 100% with a terminal disease. There is no question. I am not able to do what I used to be able to do right so uh, there's a grief that is associated with that so having somebody to talk to to unload to to admit to all of the unhappiness and the sense of loss is is a wonderful gift that you're giving these people so I'm I'm so thankful that you're involved in that and I hope you find uh, more people with Disease coming to you because there's definitely loss involved there, and you can. I know that you can be a, of great service to them. So, since you have successfully put grief and loss associated with death and terminal disease behind you, is there anything you want people to know about getting beyond these tremendous challenges so that they can come out the other end? What is the advice that you have to give to other people? Just what would you say to somebody who's who's thinking about working with you?
1: What a beautiful question. I probably brought this up a little bit already, but it's important to any griever or someone going through a cancer diagnosis to first take it all in themselves and take care of themselves first. You know, sometimes we'll throw ourselves into something to stay busy or not really do the work that we need to do for ourselves. And so, you know, I say that first and foremost, love yourself, take care of yourself, and find your support system, find your people, whether it's one person or a village, even pets, right, your pet. I mean, it comes from anything and everything. Sometimes it's just sitting outside in a peaceful place and just feeling the sun on your face. It's so important to just, just be, this is where you are. It doesn't have to be a death sentence. It doesn't have to be the end. And our minds want to go there. So we just have to understand that and find that place in your journey. And again, there's with pain, there is meaning, there is purpose, there is joy again. It's not over We might have to change things maybe we live a little bit differently but the journey itself is part of what life is and again why i'm sort of doing this work and being very much more vocal about it than ever before because i haven't shared a lot of this i've i've kept it to myself and now that I'm doing this and I'm speaking with people like you, Maria, and others, and it's important that we all share what we know. And if nothing else, you know, you don't even have to work with me, but just reach out and maybe I can help in some other way for you if you're not going to work with me through this. So I feel like I always say we're we're all in this together and I truly believe that. And that's what I want for anybody that's going through these, these tough times.
2: Right. It's so important for people to know that they can find support in many different corners of their life, you know, from many different uh, resources, family, friends, uh, a grief counselor such as you. I mean, you're a treasure. So I am so happy that we had this conversation today. If people would like to contact you, what is the best way to do that? So
1: my website is navigatingthroughloss.com. And I can also be reached by email at Maureen at navigatingthroughloss.com as well.
2: Perfect. All right, Maureen. Well, I'm sure at some point we'll speak again, but thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure.
1: Maria, thank you so much. You, it's been a pleasure talking to you and thanks for your really open and honest questions as well. And I hope all of the best for
2: you. Thank you so much. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to Giving Grief a Voice with Maureen Desmond. We hope you'll follow our monthly program on Apple Podcasts or on any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us on givinggriefavoice.org, on Facebook and Twitter for links to materials referenced in this episode. Also, You can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know needs grief coaching or consulting, Maureen is here to help.
1: We'll see you next time.